0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now this morning we will be looking at something very simple but not so simple. You know some things look simple but sometimes they are not simple. We want to look at when is a man saved? <laughs> when is a man saved? From the little experience I have, uh, I call it little because it's little. It took me a while to pinpoint the exact day that I received salvation. I, at the point I had eight days, eight dates. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I felt no, it must have been this day, no. Uh, it couldn't have been this day because after this day, um, I don't think I look saved. I said, must be this day. Uh, you know, after having come out for what we used to call the altar calls, uh, sometimes in a month, four times, a single altar, same animal, four times. And you see, most of the time, why that happens or happens is a result of false teaching. Or wrong teaching. Because we are saying false teaching, it may look too strong. Though it's the same thing. So let's call it wrong teaching. Some guys prefer you call what they are saying wrong teaching <laughs> than call it a heresy. So I think it's just good to be diplomatic, not necessarily the fruit of the Spirit. So we call it wrong teaching. You rather call it error, you say it's not correct. Am I Am I trying? <laughs> you know, because I say, that was an error, an error. I say, no, it's just not correct, or it's not scriptural. You know, nice things like that. So, I, I've been heard a couple of things later on, when I began to understand what redemption was and salvation, then the most unlikely dates... Was the one I found out <laughs> that I was actually saying The most unlikely of the days, which was actually the first one. <laughs> you know, oftentimes you, you probably will say, Well, I was still trying at that point. And sometimes it's, it's a wrong teaching, most of the time it's a wrong teaching that makes many believers not even know. If I were to, if I were to do a poll here now, and I ask you, when did you get saved? Some of you just do what the universe call oboju. I was saved, That's just I just want to pray, and you have to oh, no, are you sure? I was saved, but, you know, you begin to say, um, so someone say, well, I, I imagine a friend who we, we shared uh, convictions together years ago, we're not talking about, you know, we're just talking, he said, you know, the day I know, I mean, he, you know, from the subconscious. The day I know that I truly began to walk with God. That's a M-O-G. <laughs> this is not a liberty. <laughs> truly. Just like your child saying, the day I know you truly give back to me. What <laughs> You know, so most of us times it's because we don't even know, or we didn't know what. Salvation really was, and that affects our understanding and about, you know, the faith. And then, without that, you may also have doubts when you preach to people. (laughs) And then you go back to check on them, and then you say, You feel like leading them to Christ again. Am I right? He said, "Come." You must have deceived me that day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I had a sermon I preached back then. I won't tell you the title. But that sermon, by the time I'm done with you, you just give me your salvation. I'll say, "Come on, give it to me." You know, John one twelve. When is a man saved? When? Now. John one twelve. this is John, writing about Jesus. He says, from verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He said, The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Then he says, In Him was life, the life was the light of man. Then he says, The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't comprehend it. Then he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear, same for a witness to bear witness of the light. But all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighted every man that cometh into the world. I want us to take verse ten together. Let's go. Verse ten. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Notice that the world knew him not. Pay attention to that. Verse eleven. He came unto his own. Let's go. And his own received him not. Is that so the world knew him not? Then he says, Unto his own, that's Israel definitely. And his own received him not. Okay? So look at verse twelve. Let's go, everybody. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So he says, As many as received him. To them gave he the power, that's the word rights, exousia, a privilege. In other words, don't forget again that that verse of scripture is referring to the four gospels. That's not the epistles. We're not given rights to become the sons of God in the epistles. In the epistles we have received the spirit of sons. Is that okay? Is that Okay. But you see, because Jesus was yet to be raised from the dead and die, and then be raised from the dead, what they had was a privilege to become. So that verse is not you and I. That verse is for the people in the four Gospels. Because you see, we said he came to his own. That's the incarnation. And his own received him not. But as many as received him in the four Gospels, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I am not know if you understand what I just said now. Let me see. Your hand. Raise your hand if you do please. So, I can. so that's the four gospels. That's not you and I, alright? So but notice the key thing there. Um, it calls receiving him believing, even to them that believe on his name. Now, the word believe is the word peace pistou, where you have faith, uh, pistis, uh, it means that you rely upon, that's what it means, um, you, you rely upon, so says, as many as believe on his name. Now, notice that the difference, there's a difference in here, and I want you to get this right, because, again, without trying to be harsh, there are a couple of things that people preach from the pulpits in some places and then they ask people to come out for altar calls, but that's not salvation. And you say, notice as many as received him. He didn't say as many as received a miracle. That's different. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What is his name? Verse 13 tells you what his name is. It's not born of the, will of the flesh, or the will of man, or blood, that's Jesus, but of God. Then verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld him as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, that's not getting a miracle because there were people in the four Gospels, if a majority in the four Gospels believed in the anointing on Jesus in the sense of they believed in his healing ministry, but did not believe in his person. They believed in what he did, but not his person. Because whenever you use the word believe, believe in what? Now, let's see a couple of scriptures quickly. Uh, Look at Matthew 8. And this will make a, a lot of sense for you. Matthew chapter 8. Thank you Lord Jesus. Now, you find there was a centurion, for example, who um, asked Jesus to come to his house to heal his servant in verse 6. Oh, sorry, he said his servant was home sick. And Jesus in verse 7 says, I'll come and heal him. And the man said, um, you don't have to come. I'm a soldier. Well, I'm a sinner. That's the person he said, you can't come to my house. You don't have to come to my house. But he said, I'm a soldier. Um, in verse 9, I have soldiers under me. I say to one, go, he goes. I say to one, come, he comes. I say to one, do this and it is done. Just speak your word only. And Jesus says in verse 10, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So the man understood the place of authority. But this, what the man did here, the fact that he expressed knowledge, implicit confidence as well, in what Jesus could do to heal his servant. Is not the same as salvation. Now when that happened. He went to the house of Peter. And he saw Peter's mother-in-law. Who was sick of fever. And scripture says that he laid his hands on her. Um, in verse 15 he touched and she was healed. In verse 16 says. When the evening was come. They brought unto him men that were possessed. With devils. And he cast out the spirit with his word. And healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Saying himself to God in and boy it And then the great multitudes came to him in verse 18. This is not salvation. What happened here is not the same thing as John one twelve. You need to get that. It's not the same thing. Because the issue in John one twelve that we read earlier, was in healing. The issue in John 1.12 was, in him was life. And the life was what? The light of man. That was the issue in John one twelve. So, here, the subject matter of faith was what? Huh? Talk to me guys. What? That's the subject matter here. Healing was a subject matter. Look at Mark 5. The woman will really use your blood. Mark 5. She heard of Jesus. Mark 5. Verse 34. Verse 25 to 34. She heard of Jesus. And then she came in behind the press that she might touch his clothes. For she said, if I, verse 28, may touch body's clothes, I shall be whole. Healing. Now, what did she hear about Jesus? The Bible tells us that there was a message that was preached about Jesus. Acts 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That was the message. In other words, you discover that in the four Gospels, Alright, that was what we heard about Jesus. So that's why, they'll say, come and heal my servant, and I'll touch your clothes, I'll be healed. So when you read about faith, you discover that having faith for healing, and having faith for miracles, is not exclusive to believers. Receiving healing is of God. Receiving a miracle is of God, but receiving healing and receiving a miracle is not salvation. This has confused many people. That's not salvation. Look at something now. Look at John 6. I want this to be very simple. So, I reduce the content deliberately. John 6, so that you'll understand in a very simple way. John 6. Now, the background of what I'm about to read to you in John 6 was that Jesus just, in John 6, He just multiplied five loaves and two fish. He multiplied five loaves and two fish in John 6. So, look at verse I want us to read verse 13 and verse 14 together. Therefore, come on, let's go. Therefore, they gather them together and filled to a basket with the fragments of the five belly loaves which remain over and above unto them that had eaten. Verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that shall come into the world. Notice that. This, that's what they said. They said, this is of the truth. That prophet that shall come into the world. Then when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him be part again to man himself alone. And then when he was now come, his disciples went down to the sea. And then they began to speak. So, in verse 22, the first day, the second day, people stood on the other side. They saw there was none other boat. And then they came to Jesus. You know, people came to Jesus. And then... Um, verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when you, where do you come from? Then he began to talk to them. Look at verse 26. I want us to also read 26 together. Let's go. Jesus answered and said unto them, Very very I say unto you, You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. 27. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life Which the Son of Man shall give unto you For him at God the Father sealed Look at verse 28 Then said they unto him What shall we do that we might walk the walks of God Verse 29 Jesus answered and said unto them This is the walk of God That you believe on him Whom he has sent And then look at the next thing they said These are people who just received miracles from him What sign shows thou? Then, that we may see and believe thee, that thou doest walk. 31, Our fathers did eat man and the best He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then verse 32 he says, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world." Then he says in verse 51, let's take verse 35 together. I am the bread of life. Let's, let's go, come on. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Can you see it? it makes a distinction? Can you see it? You see the distinction here? About the miracles and receiving Him. See, so I am the bread of life. Uh, you and I know very well that He's not talking about the bread He just ate. Right? That's clear enough, right? Oh, because sometimes you need to say it. So he didn't say you just ate me. No. I am the bread of life. In other words, he, he's saying, look, the miracle is different from having faith in me for eternal life. You can take the bread, and he says, well, let's look at something he says. He says, uh, all right, hmm. Look at verse, Let me just check the verse. Okay, quickly. Verse 48 again. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Can you imagine that? He says, and they are dead. So, he says to you, I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm talking about life. Me. So, you can surely get bread from Jesus and not take of the bread of life. I hope that's right. Is that correct? So, if you come to Jesus, let me use that term, to solve a problem of hunger, or sickness, or problems, just any kind of problem, you know, is that salvation? No. That's not salvation. That's not eternal life. You, you, You can... You can get miracles in a program. You can come to Jesus to help you solve your marriage (laughs) problems. You can come around to receive healing, which is of God. But that's not salvation. So, you know, that needs to be clear. That the fact that you have faith in God for something... And you get it. It's not the same as faith for salvation. I've thought this over and over again. So you can believe not. Despite the fact that you ate the bread. Let's add one more. John 6. You can even walk miracles in his name. And not be... A believer. Look at John 6. Look at 59. Let's take it from 58 together. Let's go. This is that. Come on, let's go. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. Come on, let's keep reading. 59. 59. This thing said he, the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum, 60. Many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this said, This is a hard saying, who can bear? These are his what? These are his what? Come on, these are his what? These people follow him. So they said, Look, this is a hard saying. Verse 61, Let's go, 61. When Jesus knew himself, that his disciples murmured, he said unto them, Let's go. Does this offend you? 62. What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and are life. 64. And there are some of you that what? My God. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Look, they're following him. They go from program to program with him. It says, there are some of you here who don't believe. Are you still there? Some of you. Look at the next verse. Let's go. For Jesus knew from the beginning, come on, let's go, who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. So, in other words, there were people who followed him and didn't believe. Look at verse 66. Come on, let's go. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Sixty-eight. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast what? Thank you very much. We have what? The words of eternal life. Not, not, not power, miracles. The words of eternal life. Now, you realize that part of those who went away cast out devils. Right? Is that right? Part of those who went away healed the sick. Was that right? Very good. Were they believers? No. But were they believers in miracles? Yes. So, look at John, Matthew 7. Glory to your name, Father. We give you praise. Matthew 7. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that dwells the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now how will you enter into the kingdom of heaven? Don't. This is not when you die. <laughs> this is not when you die. Jesus said in John 3.3, 3, Except a man be born again. Right? He cannot enter, see, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then in verse 5, except a man is born of the spirit, that's the water and the, that which is the spirit, he doesn't enter into the kingdom. So, is that clear? Is that clear? Then he explains it in th- 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believed in him shouldn't perish, but has everlasting life. Believe in him, what do you mean believe in him? Believe in him when he's raised from the dead. Then you have eternal life. That's what 14 to 15 talks about. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man will be lifted up, and whoever believed in him should not perish. John 3, 14, 15. So, he said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven, they say. notice say. say he that keeps doing the will of my father. No, that's not what he said. He that does the will of my father. So let's go further. Many will come to me that they say Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. We have people in the old testament for example who prophesied and didn't believe and cast out devils in thy name and done many wonderful works was Judas one of these people? Huh? Was Judas one of these people? Yeah, Judas didn't believe. But he cast out devils. That's what Jesus said here. Then he says, and i profess unto them, I what? And that's so what they, he's not talking about people who lost their salvation. For those of you who like, who hear about losing it. Lost but found salvation. He says, but I never knew you. Depart from me, you that walk iniquity. In other words, you that walk disobedience, what he's saying. Therefore, whosoever what hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, are liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And the uh, rain descended, and the floods came, and don't forget the rock is just one person. Who is the rock? Christ himself is the work, okay? Because his words are about himself, the words of salvation. Let's go further. And the rain descended the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not because. Why? Why did it not fall? Simple, because of the rock. Right? Come on, are you there? Come on, are you following this? Because of the rock. And everyone that hears the sins of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains of the sand floods came and the winds blew and upon the house it fell and great was the fall of it. So in other words, Jesus is talking about those who hear his words and don't have faith in him for salvation. Was that very possible? Was that possible? Was that possible? Did that happen to his own disciples? Exactly. So, that's very clear. You, you, salvation is faith in Christ for salvation. It might like tautology. Faith in Christ for salvation. So, you have that kind of example. People can receive miracles, they can even cast out the devils in the name. In Luke 9 49, they came to him and told him about a certain fellow who was not part of them, but he was casting out devils. And Jesus said, Don't don't stop the man. If he's not against us, that means he is for us. Luke 9 49. So, it's very possible to have people do that. And they follow Jesus. They get the miracles. They get the signs and wonders. But they're not saved. Praise God. Lord help me. Many times the disciples said that They not mean they believed in him. They wanted him to help them. Lord, intervene into my circumstances. You know, stuff like that. It, it doesn't mean you got faith in him, but he's gonna bail you out. <laughs> But that's not salvation. Still out there? Are you there? Look at um, Hebrews chapter 4. Glory to his name. Are you following this at all? Hebrews chapter 4. Now, you know the story of the Jews. They were with Jesus. Did I say that? They were with Moses, right? For 40 years. How many of you in your life, just your life, I'm just, I'm trying to ask you a simple question. You can raise your hand, you might not. You have seen the kinds of miracles that the Jews saw in 40 years. Those guys saw miracles. They they, they had the sea parted right before them. I've crossed the sea before but via a sheep. (laughs) You get it? I want to cross the sea. Yep. Brother Moses, my God, my God is a miracle God. My God is a miracle God. He will never change. He can never fail. He will do what he says. That's how they cross, right? Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> he will do what he said. Yeah, I can see him walking in my favor. Is that wrong? Oh, fighting of my battles. I've forgotten the song. I don't know the song really. He will do what he said. He will do, and he crossed like that. And as they crossed the sea and got the miracles, and you say, "Is it a pillar of fire by night? The pillar of fire by night, the pillar of fire by day, and night and day, day and night." And as they pass. As they got over I said, Woo Woo Onisha Yanu. You know, as they cross over, they said Moses <laughs> Take us back to Egypt. Take us back to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> Then we say, you should have left us in Egypt. At the point they said we are missing onions. I've never seen that kind of request before. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't like onions, but they said they were missing onions and maybe garlic. (laughs) Forty years. They moved and there was provision. For forty years. Imagine seeing miracles every day of your life for forty years. It's not a proof of salvation. It happens happens that the more miracles they kept seeing, and not believing the message that Moses gave to them, the more hardened they became. Hebrews chapter 3, are you there? Okay, I said Hebrews 4, but let's take Hebrews 3 first. Hebrews 3, 17, 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you what? Hebrews three twelve. Any of you what? And he will heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So Hebrews four one. Come on, let's take it together, Hebrews four one. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise be let us led to his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse two for unto us was the gospel. Come on, let's take it again. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he has said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall not enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Hold on now. So, in other words, the miracles was not the gospel. Come on. Am I making any sense here? The miracles wasn't the gospel. The gospel is not a miracle; it's a message. It was a message, and you know another thing about the the, the Jews. You know they kept offering sacrifices of sin. So confessing your sins every day is not the gospel. <laughs> The people, oh Lord, we have done wrong. Oh Lord, have mercy on us. And they did all that. And they got the miracle. And they got the signs. And they got the wonders. And they had children. I think they had children really. Those guys multiplied quickly. They took a whole lot of glory from Jacob. Now, pew! Wow! But, verse 2, The word preached did not profit, in that it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Are you there? So, the miracles were there. The message was there. Just like the Jews, they didn't believe. Was it possible to be a disciple of Jesus? To heal the sick, to cast out devils, and not believe the gospel? Let me ask you one more. Was it possible to be a disciple of Jesus, heal the sick, cast out devils, and not know who he was? Look at Matthew 16. What's our subject again? When is salvation? So you're about to know when you receive salvation. Or if you have not. (laughs) You know there was someone like that. We were having fellowship in 2004 or so 3. She's already a pastor. So I was sharing with her and she said, Pastor, can you (laughs) lead me to Christ? I said, No, 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 no. She said, no, no, no. Ever since I started listening to you, I'm wondering whether I was saved at all. Now, the interesting part was this, and I must mention this, that there was someone else that she had as a disciple who was an HOD in the church. And they were doing church programs. And then she brought the lady to me that the lady... Has refused to speak in tongues. So. I interviewed the lady. Some of you know the story. Because she was once a member of this church. I interviewed the lady. And then she said. Let me tell you the truth. I'm not a believer. I was shocked. It's not my first time. So. Right in. uh, The house we're in. I. Led her to Christ. She's already HOD in church. She mentions Jesus. But everything you're talking about, Jesus. You know, man can be religious. Religiously irreligious sometimes. Some guys say, I don't believe in God, religion. I said, that's a religion on its own. I don't believe in God. That's faith in itself. Praise it's <laughs> God. You get it? So, I led her to Christ. So, she said, Pastor, can you lead me to Christ? I said, I, I believe that you're born again. He said, don't stress yourself. Just pray with me. <laughs> so I said, all right. Oh, I, We held hands. It was in front of the like, New Chapel. And I said, uh, Christ Jesus died for my sins. And she was serious. I was not. Because I felt, <laughs> I believe that you are born again. But, uh, you know, she just did that. So sometimes you need to ask yourself, really? You no. Know, did you hear the gospel at all? You know. Matthew 16. Oh, some of you just pausing. Calm down. Oh, nothing scary, just the just word. Matthew 16. Are you in church? Are you in church? Come on, look at this. Matthew 16. Verse 13. When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's a quite a question. You know, who do you do they say I am? Now look at the hefty revelations that flooded the minds of men. Verse fourteen. Some say thou art John the Baptist, probably the craziest of all, because I thought John the Baptist was beheaded a few days before. But human beings can believe anything. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well. Everybody is entitled to their revelation. To you, he may be your righteousness. To somebody else, he may be his protector. But to me, he's my Alpha and Omega. It's like, you know we talk like that, we think we're making sense, right? <laughs> you think you say, well, you say, some people can look at a mountain and see a monkey. How about you at a mountain, you see an elephant. I about you see a mountain, you see a tortoise. There's no mountain that would love to be seen as an elephant. If you see a mountain as an elephant, you're having the wrong view. Praise God. How can someone come to you and say, Well, from my revelation, you're a dog? So, well, that's deep. You give the person a knock or something, you know. (laughs) So some say, you know, then he said unto them, Who do you say I am? My God. His own people. Then Peter spoke up and he says, Thou art the Christ. The son of a living God. It's a blessed art thou, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you, thou art and upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind us, be bound in heaven, whatsoever you shall lose in shall be loosed in heaven. So, in other words, he, he, he makes it clear by asking, who do you people say that I am? Now look at something that happened there. In verse 21, Jesus now says to the Saint Peter, listen carefully to this. He says, look, I will be killed by the scribes, the chief priests, and the elders. And be raised the third day. You'll have know, thought without saying, glory! That's mean. that's the next thing. You'll have know, thought he just had a revelation. Oh, said, oh, my God, thank you, Jesus, thank you, mumba lava thank you. Oh, thank you for saving me. Peter said, in Jesus name I bind you Jesus. That's what he said next. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> the most critical truth about Jesus, he didn't know. Verse 21 was the most critical truth about Jesus. Verse 21 is the gospel. Let me see if you understand what I'm saying here. Come on. You get it? Verse 21 is the gospel. Jesus, come, come, come and be parting. As this spirit in your mind, I cast it out. And Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." Praise God. For thou, Saviour, is not the things which be of God, but those which are of men. You are an offence unto me," he says. Hallelujah. Let me ask you. So did Peter at this point? Did he believe the gospel? You were quiet. Did Peter believe the gospel at this point? No, 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 and N-O, oh no! John thirteen. When is salvation? That's the question, right? Or. Should, I, should you put it like this? When did I get saved? That was more interesting, right? Yeah. I know nobody uses this term in this church. When did I give my life to Christ? I've seen a couple of you drop it by the wayside. I think it's a joke, so I, just don't, I, I don't just respond to it. So I gave my life to Christ. I'm wondering Are you a member of Saints Community Church? You gave your life to Christ to do what for you? To rebrand it. I'm looking at you and saying. <laughs> John 13 listen to John 14 let not he's talking to his disciples Man, see what he says he's talking to his own disciples his man his main man John 14 1 let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me eh? to his own disciples then he says look in my father's house There are many mansions So not so I told you I go to prepare a place for you And he's going Hmm Hmm That's why right. Thomas Of course Thomas Whether you go going, How can we know Then he says I am the way The truth and the life No man comes to the father But by me Henceforth you have known My father And then Philip says Sir, huh? Show us the father This is Graduation day He had been with them Three and a half years See the questions they are asking us the father. Where did you keep him? <laughs> he said, Ah! Philip! That's my own translation. Have I been so long time with you and you have not known me? Philip! Can you see this? Philip! He has seen me has seen the father, shows that I did show the father. Then he says in 11. Believe me. (laughs) Can you see? Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. I am in the Father and the Father in me for very else. Believe me for the very works sake. Verily I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do because I go to my Father. At this point, he's talking to them about his death. And assuring them that He will be raised from the dead. That's still the one that. This is the most crucial reason why Jesus came. How come they're learning this on the last day of camp meeting, the very last day? (laughs) And He began to talk to them about the Comforter, and they said, "Hmm." Hmm. After healing the sick, come on. And Castaneda said, "Hmm." And everything he asks them to believe, or about to see, the Old Testament says that believed it already. Is that true? Is that not true? Everything he asked them to believe, the Old Testament saints that already believed it. Hello, you know? Rema is right. In chapter sixteen, so he takes them to a faith lesson, a faith class. You got to believe. Verse twenty-nine. Come on, let's say twenty-nine together. John 6. Are you there? So let's go. His disciples said to him, Lo, now speaks thou plainly, and speaks no Bible. Let's take 30 together. Now we sure that thou knowest all things. <laughs> and this not that any man should ask thee by this. We believe that thou camest from God. Look at verse 31. Do you now believe? <laughs> we're not done, no. Calm down. <laughs> these are his own folks these are his disciples dead cast out devils they raised the dead and then go look they didn't I'd raise the dead you know, I'm not sure about that but they cast out devils hello, on they did all that but they didn't know him they didn't know him his own disciples so we'll need to find out when did they believe Yet, the Old Testament saints believed what they were trying to grapple with. Hebrews 11 verse 1. The Old Testament saints. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know by that what that means anyway. The evidence of things not seen, that's the Old Testament sin, right? The substance of things that will be done. By Jesus. The evidence of things that will be done by Jesus. They saw it. But it the elders obtained a good report, verse 2, verse 3 through faith we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God. That the things that were seen were not made with things we do appear. By faith, Abel. What Abel believed about 2,000 years before, they were finally had to grapple with. Abraham believed that. Abraham did. Noah did. Enoch did. Moses did. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then those folks who were with him. Hmm. He didn't Jesus, Jesus. What is he you talking about? They, they were trying to grapple with that. Evil Samson. Shamo. Shamo. Samson, the man who committed suicide. You know that's what he did? Some guys don't want to hear that. He committed suicide. He's called an elder of the faith. Not the suicide. Not by suicide, but by faith. Abraham, the adulterer, the man who traded his wife for money. He's there. David. The murderer. And adulterer. Two-edged sword. He's there. Moses. The murderer. And serial husband. And the personified. He's there. Isaac, just like his dad. Uses his women. His wife. For pecuniary purposes. He's there. Let's leave Jacob alone. It's not fair. (laughs) The Lord there. One more person is there. Rahab. Let me check it now. Rahab the prophetess. No. (laughs) Something funny. He says, you know, the, the, no, the new covenant doesn't find fault. Oh Jesus. This is so great salvation message. You might say it here, some guys just say, what did you just say? I said nothing. <laughs> Hebrews eleven thirty one. 31. By faith the harlots Rahab perish not with them that believe not. When she had received the spies with peace. And he mentions Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel, and all the prophets. My God. He said by faith. They awaited the promise of Christ, something the disciples were grappling with. Genesis fifteen six. Abraham believed in the Lord, and that became righteousness. Just once. Genesis fifteen six. It became righteousness. Genesis 15:6. What did Abraham believe? Abraham believed in God. Come down. What did Abraham believe? Abraham believed in God. What exactly did he believe? Galatians 3 8. Look at it. For the scriptures foreseeing that God will justify the eating through faith, preached before what? Come on. The gospel to Abraham saying, in thee, that is in Christ, should all the nations of the earth be blessed. So what did Abraham believe? What did Abraham believe? What is the gospel? Christ raised from the dead. Glory to God. Romans 4.25 He was delivered up for our offenses. raised up for what? Our justification. That's why Paul will say in Romans 4 1. What has Abraham, our father, aspired into the flesh? What has he found? He said, if what he had was by works. Then he would have nothing to say but the glory to himself. But he said, Look, the Bible says Abraham believed in God, believed in the Lord, believed God. It was accounted to him, Romans 4 3, for righteousness. Romans 4 5. It says, God. Who justifies the ungodly? That's scandalous. That is scandalous. You know, ungodly? What's ungodly? Ungodly. <laughs> What's ungodly? Ungodly. God justifies the ungodly by faith. How many of you have me come around for so great salvation? Oh my God, you need to be saved. Come around. Salvation is a subject who will learn to the end of his life. Praise the Lord. So important. So he believed the gospel. Matthew 26 verse 28. This is my blood, or the cup of my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the sins, or for the remission of sins, for many. So the gospel... Is not healing The healing As a miracle When the gospel is preached The gospel is not Provision of material things That's not the gospel Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 What is the gospel? How Christ died for our sins According to what? The scriptures 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 How Christ died for our sins According to the scriptures how he was buried and raised again the third day. According to what? So, what is the gospel? How Christ died for our sins. How he's raised from the dead for our sins. That is the gospel. Are you there? That's the gospel. That's what Abraham believed. That's what Abel believed. That's what Noah believed. And that's what. Uh Rahab believed. The gospel. The good news. So the gospel is not God is gonna take me places that I've never been before. That's a that's an airline. That's not the gospel. The God of double promotion. Jehovah double double. Everything na-dabu-dabu, na-dabu-dabu. I heard that song one day and I said, this is, we like to just, we think praise worship is just singing your excitement. Everything na-dabu-dabu, na-dabu-dabu, salvation na-dabu-dabu. I heard it. That, that, that's exactly what I heard. You've heard it before. Na-dabu-dabu, na-dabu-dabu. <laughs> you think you're singing for one uh, Yoruba chief? He said, ah, na-dabu-dabu. <laughs> Come on now Matthew 26 So is it clear that Even the people who existed Who were here, the, the saints Before the disciples Believed the gospel What they were trying to grapple with They had believed it Matthew 26 Are you learning something? Are you learning something? So is it possible to go around Jesus and hear him preach and get miracles and not be saved? Very good. Matthew 26. It's when you hear what he said and then you have faith in him. Believe, build upon this rock, then you will be saved. Matthew 26. Matthew 26? 28, sorry. Look at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away unto Galilee unto a mountain where Jesus appointed them, verse sixteen, Matthew twenty eight. Mark twenty eight seventeen. He says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Part of his disciples. Part of the eleven without it. Mark sixteen fourteen. Mark sixteen fourteen. Let's take it together. Mark sixteen fourteen. Are you there? Let's go. And afterward he appeared unto the eleven as he sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they believed not them that had seen him after he was with them. Come on. Not just the fact that he didn't believe he was going to rise from the dead before he died. When he now rose from the dead and they now told them they did not believe. Come on. Are you there? So, were they saved at this point? No, they were not. You couldn't have been. So, what now happened? Luke 24. When is salvation? It's not the first time you heard about Jesus. I'm very very likely that maybe your parents, if they were Christians, when I mean Christians, I mean Christians. You know what I say, Christians? They must have punished you with Jesus. Sit down there! My mom mom will give me a Bible to read as punishment. Read this hand, follow this wind. You can't be, Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallo, be your name. <laughs> and prayers can be. That, that's a mix. You don't use the gospel to threaten your kids, you give them a wrong impression about God. Tell Psalm 121, I live on my hands to the youth. Come on, off! I wonder, there are no hills here. Look <laughs> 24. All right now. And then, his own disciples were we here. They were there, and Emmaus was 13. Two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three followers. And they talked together, all these things that happened. Those are his disciples. Then... They came to pass, they communed together and reasoned. Jesus himself, verse 15, drew went with them, but their hearts were holding that he, they shouldn't know him. Then he said, What manner of communications are these that you have one with another as you walk and are there? And then he said, uh, One whose name was Cleopas answered, Are you a JJC in Jerusalem? That's my translation. Verse 18, Are you don't know the things that have come to pass there in these days? Jesus is watching them and says, What things? Hmm. Concern. They're talking to Jesus concerning Jesus of Nazareth. See teaching. See what they called him. Which was a what? Ah. (laughs) Which was a prophet? These are your people. (laughs) Which was a prophet mighty indeed And word before God and all the people And how the chief priests and our rulers Delivered him to the covenant of death And have crucified him Which shows that he had been He should have redeemed Israel And beside all these days He thought those things were done Yea, I said it We also have a compliment those stories which were earlier in the how And when they found out his mind, They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels Which said he was alive And then they went to the Seboca And found it even as Find not even and even so, as the woman has said it, but him they saw not, Sin the teaching. Then he said, oh fools. He <laughs> said, Abusive is being descriptive. Oh fools and slow of heart. To what? To what? To what? To believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Now look at the gospel. That's the gospel now. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expired unto them in all the scriptures, what? The things concerning himself. So what did he rebuke them about? Not to believe all the that the prophets have spoken. As he said that, the Bible tells us, as he continued with them, they didn't know. As he gave them bread, verse 31, look at verse 32 together, verse 32, let's go. Did not our hearts burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us, the while he what? Opened. The word to open the scriptures there Means Like when you say you launch a building uh, You open, you launch a product For the very first time They saw what the scriptures meant For the very first time It opened to us We saw For the first time So by the time he was gone, he goes to his disciples. They go to the disciples. Look at verse 34. 33. They rose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them. Let's take verse 34 together. Saying, The Lord is risen, indeed, and had appeared to Simon. And they told us those things that were done in the way, and how they had known of them in the breaking of bread. So they saw it. As he opened the scriptures to them. Then again, he now was with the same number, the same 11. And again, he began to share the scriptures with them. 44. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Come on, let us take verse 45 together. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What did he open to them? Verse 46. Thus it is written, does it behold Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead when the third day. So he opened their understanding for the first time and they saw the gospel. So you ask the question, what day were they preaching? Obviously not the gospel. So notice something that is critical. That means you cannot believe outside the scriptures. Is that clear enough? Is that clear? Seeing Jesus is not the same as salvation. Having a vision of Jesus is not the same. You must believe the message of the scriptures. So, having a vision of Jesus, a revelation of Jesus, in the sense of a vision now, isn't the same thing as salvation. Receiving a miracle is not the same thing as salvation. It was at this point that the disciples got saved. Is that clear? Is that clear now? It's at this point that they got saved. When they understood the gospel and they saw in reality that what was promised in the holy scriptures has been fulfilled right before their eyes, is that clear? Is that clear? Very good. So, in John 20, let me just go through some things. Wow, wow, wow. John 20. I want to make this a very short for service. Huh? I already run foul of my for my 10. John 20. So how do you receive salvation? Huh? Faith in what? The gospel. Faith in the facts of the gospel. That Christ died for your sins. And he was buried. And is raised from the dead for your justification. That is the gospel. Hearing about the anointing of Jesus is not the gospel. Hearing about Jesus is a is a covenant keeping God. That's not the gospel. Hearing about how He can turn your desert into a, a sea is not the gospel. What's that song again? I don't know the song. I I hear it around, but... That is not the gospel. That's why some some of you don't know the difference between singing a general praise song and a gospel song. A gospel song will have the lyrics in tune with the scriptures as touching what Jesus did. That's a gospel song. There's a general praise song. And say, Almighty God, Almighty God, you will do it again, do it again, do it again. You know, you can sing that in the mosque. But the moment you mention the blood, the Muslim keeps quiet. The cross. He died. He rose. Because that's faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Are you there? You didn't realize the difference. So, in John 20. All right now. listen. In John 20. The same story in verse 20 and 19. He came in there and he said, Peace be unto you. And then in verse 21. Peace be unto you as my Father sent me, even so sent I you. Then he said this. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Who sins, who sins, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain are retained unto them. Now, let me just quickly tell you this and so that you can do this study on your own. In, the, in what happened to the disciples and how they received salvation, only Luke gave the precise account. The other ones just summarized it. We don't read Matthew, we just said some doubted, some saw him, and that's all. They summarized something that happened in forty days in one in one verse. Mark just said he upbraided them for their unbelief. Mark sixteen fourteen. He didn't give us the details. It was Luke that said he went through all the scriptures. Can you see? it? Do you understand? So John summarized it. Mark summarized it. Matthew summarized it, but Luke explained what happened. Let me see if you understand what you said now. Oh, good, good. So John twenty, pay attention, verse twenty one and twenty two, is definitely after they had received the gospel. Because he says, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, when he says, receive ye the Holy Ghost, what he was referring to there was not salvation, what we can call the new birth. Because the next thing he says is, whatsoever sins you remit are written unto them, whatsoever sins you retain are retained unto them. He's talking about the preaching of the gospel. Which happened after they had believed. Now, Luke puts it in the proper light. Luke 24 and 47. After he had said it will behold Christ to suffer. And then rise again the third day. And now it says in verse 47. And repentance and remission of sins will be preached in his name. Look at Luke 24, 47. Begin not Jerusalem in all nations. 47. Then it says you are witnesses of these things. 49. Behold, I send unto you what? The promise of my Father. But tarry ye in Jerusalem, till you be what? And you prepare from an eye. So you see, Luke was the most explicit. Mark just said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Something happened in between. Matthew says, All authority given to heaven and earth, Go ye therefore. But these are things that happen in 40 days. 40 days of Jesus taking his time to explain to his disciples the things about himself. So look what is the most authoritative as touching when the disciples receive salvation. Obviously it was within the 40 days. Is that very clear everyone? Acts five. So pay attention now. John 20.22 20, and Luke 24.49 will be the same thing. John twenty twenty two and Luke twenty four forty nine. And deal with power from an nine. The same thing Acts one five and Acts one eight. Acts one eight, you shall receive power after with the Holy Ghost is come on you. So they received salvation the moment they saw that this is the one that was said will die for our sins. He will be buried and raised from the dead. Again, the way to know salvation is to find faith in the gospel. That is, it's so vital, even to his own disciples, his close associates who cast out devils, who healed the sick. They have to have what? Faith in the gospel. That's salvation. When is salvation? When a man exercises faith in Christ alone for salvation. Alone. Faith in Christ alone for salvation. Alone. Look at the book of Acts. The same thing. Acts 2. After Peter preached. Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made the same Jesus whom they have crucified. You have crucified, both Lord and Christ. As he said that, their hearts, they just said, wow. Their hearts prompted them. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then he said, repent. The word repent means change your mind. The word repent means what? I told you what that means. It means change your mind. Repent is not change your behavior. Repent means change your mind. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you shall receive what remission of sins. Sorry for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Remission of sins. So the gospel is preached. What does a man receive? Remission of sins. When the gospel is preached, a man receives what? Remission of sins. Look at verse 41. And they are glad to receive this word. We are baptized the same day. We are added unto them 3,000 souls. Look at verse 44. Let's take verse 44 together. And all that believed are one together. All that believed. So you know salvation by what? Faith. You don't know salvation by conduct. Conduct follows after faith, no doubt. But you know salvation by faith. Faith in Christ for the remission of sins. Look at uh, Romans 10. Romans 10. When is salvation? The moment I exercise faith in Christ for the remission of sins alone. That is salvation. Salvation is not faith for something I want. Salvation is not Faithful Prayers I will get my prayers answered That's not salvation That's not salvation Romans 10 I'm going to read from verse 6 But the righteousness Which is of faith Speaks on this wise Say not in thine heart Who shall ascend unto heaven That is to bring Christ down From above And who shall descend into the deep That is to bring Christ down Again from the dead But what's it? Let's take verse 8 together Let's go But what's here The word is nigh thee Even in thy mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Let's take nine together, totally. If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, notice what was the salvation. If you will confess the mouth of the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from where? The dead. Thou shalt be saved. That's how salvation is done. You you believe in your heart. You say with your mouth. Romans chapter 10. Come on. Verse 11. Let's take verse 11 together. Let's go. We're going to read to verse 17. Let's go. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Hold on. Believes on him how? Raised from? Go on. Verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is unto all that call upon, which of all that call upon him? Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon him the Lord shall be saved. 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Hold on, hold on. How shall they call on someone they have not believed? Go on. How shall they believe in whom of they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring God tidings of good things. 16. Have they all all obeyed the gospel? For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? That's Isaiah three verse 1 where he talked about what Jesus did concerning sin. Who hath believed our report? Look at 17. Let's go. So then, faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The proper transition is by the word of Christ. So faith will be by what? Sharing the message of Christ. Now what is the message of Christ? How he died for our sins. Is buried. And raised again the third day. From the dead forever. Simple. salvation. Hallelujah. Are you out there? That's it. That's why Paul will say, When I came unto you, First Corinthians 2 1. It says, I determined not to know anything. Verse 2. 2 1 says, I came not in the excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determined, first Corinthians 2 2, not to know anything among you. Except Christ Jesus and him crucified. He said, and my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Verse 5, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. In other words, you can have a sermon full of the wisdom of men, Well, appealing to your circumstances, appealing to your situation, but not in the power of God. First Corinthians two verse five. This is where we preach Christ crucified. The Jews think it's a stumbling block. He says the Greeks, the well, the intelligent thing it doesn't sound intelligent. Say, but unto us, First Corinthians 1 24. Christ, the wisdom, and the power of God. Are you in church? That's salvation. Acts 5 31. Salvation is that simple faith a man expresses in Christ. Is not conditional. Is that simple faith a man expresses in Christ for salvation from sin? Acts five thirty one. Him had God exalted with His right hand to be the Prince and the Savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts eight. Look at that conversation that Philip had with the Enoch. I say it like this. The Enoch, nobody, right? the Enoch, just like every other person, wasn't trying to solve a national problem. (laughs) He wasn't trying to solve an emotional condition. The Enoch was probably a comfortable person, and many other people, you know, that he preached to. But he was reading the scriptures, Acts 8. Then he asked, Philip, he says, in verse 30. 34, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself, of of some other man. Who is he talking about? So when you go to the scriptures to look for things, to look for things, you can't see salvation. Who is he talking about? Because salvation is in a person. Who is he talking about? The moment you open your Bible. You are looking for something else apart from Christ. You will never know what the scriptures is talking about. Who is he talking about? The next verse. And beginning. And Philip opened his mouth. And what did he do? Began at the same scripture. And preached unto him what? Jesus. Have you observed that nobody. Gave altar calls in the book of Acts. People will respond by faith. When they hear the word of faith. faith. The gospel is such that your response is either faith or unbelief. You don't have to come out. If you know that you believe this. If you know it's just a. It may not be bad because you're trying to take records. But that's not salvation. You can come out 20 times but that's not salvation. Someone else may sit down there and he has believed. In his heart. That's the, the moment they believe in their heart, they will see it with their mouth. Are you out there? Acts 10. Very, Acts 10 is such an interesting one. As Peter yet spoke. As Peter yet spoke. Acts 10. Are you there? Verse 43, what did Peter say? For him, give all the prophets witness. And through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive what? Remission of sins. Come on. If you hear that, shall receive remission of sins. Glory, I believe that I receive. In the name of, I believe it died for my sins. I receive remission of sins. As Peter yet spoke this word. The Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. They believed. Faith. Faith. That's all it is. Faith. Look at one more thing. Look at Acts. 16. The jailer. Verse 30. Says, what must I do to be saved? Well, depends on what you have been through. Depends on, no, it says. Verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. You and your house. Now, when he said that, if you got guy to say, I believe. The point is, what did he hear? I believe in Jesus. No, no. Paul now took time and spoke the word of the Lord to him and his household. You get it? That was when they now believe. You cannot believe what you did not hear. If a sermon was preached without this truth in there, and people came for an altar call, I can tell you a shortly, it wasn't faith for salvation. It must be faith in Christ for salvation. They can feel sorry, they can feel bad, they can surrender all, but until they hear the message that brings faith, mm -mm, it's not salvation. In Acts 17, there were folks at Berea. Educated people, very intelligent people. As Paul preached in verse 11, And those were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, sorry. Acts 17, 11. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Then they did what? They searched what? How often? Daily. Whether those things were so. In other words, they interrogated what Paul preached to them. They checked the scriptures. Can you see that nobody got saved in the book of Acts without the Scriptures? Who can see that? Come on, let me see. Let me see that. Whether from the Old Testament or Jesus is the Messiah, from the Scriptures. Did you notice all, Again, that almost all the sermons in the book of Acts had several Scriptures preached. Used to preach the gospel. Not just one verse. I'm telling you, Jesus is Jesus in your boat? Is he in your boat? He's not in your boat. If he's not in your boat, your boat is empty. Even if you have many fish, your boat is empty. You want him in your boat today to so calm the storms of your life. You want to, you see, he said to Peter, cast your net to this side. If it's not in your boat, he cannot give you that instruction. Come out, come out, come out. So just get Jesus the pilot, the captain of the boat. That's all you have. Great. Some say you're John the Baptist. Or they say you're a pilot. That's not salvation. It says the scriptures where those things were so. And look at the next verse. And Therefore, many of them believed. What did they believe, church? What did they believe? The scriptures. Salvation is the day you heard the scriptures and you believed. In what God said concerning his son, Jesus. Salvation is not your commitment to God. No. Salvation is believing. I close. Salvation is believing his own commitment to you. Salvation is not giving God something. Salvation is not, Lord, I will follow you. That's not salvation. Lord, Whatever you want me to do, I will do. That's the salvation. Oh I'm bruised battered. Everything I laid my hands upon has been destroyed. I come to. You. That is not salvation. Salvation is faith in Christ alone. For the remission of sins alone. That's salvation. It's not healing. Healing is from God. It's not miracles, provision, child from God. It's faith in Christ alone for remission of sins alone. He died. He was buried. He rose from the dead for my justification. So I am forgiven. Reconciled with God through the Lord Jesus Christ I'm saved. That's salvation It's not your commitment to God It is His commitment to you That you have believed Sometimes even those who want to commit themselves To God as salvation The reason why they miss it is because That's self-righteousness Paul says By grace are you saved through faith not of your own self to the gifts of God. Not of works. there is any man should boast. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. Titus 3, 4 and 5. Not by the works of righteousness which we have done. That's what salvation is. And because of the lack of understanding, men don't even know where they were saved. The thing where they were saved was when they decided to be committed to church. No. you can be committed to church... And you are not saved. You may be saved and yet to be committed to church. Oh, wow, that was the day I typed my Bible very strongly. No, that's not salvation. Salvation was the day you saw Him buried for your sins, you saw Him raised from the dead for your justification. The apostles who were with Him for three and a half years saw it in the scriptures his own disciples, saw it in the scriptures. Paul, who saw him on the road to Damascus, saw it in the scriptures. All the apostles heard it by the preaching of the gospel. So salvation cannot be separated from the message of the gospel that is in the scriptures. So when is salvation? The moment a man believes in his heart that Jesus Christ is the one that died for his sins. So see, it's He's so straightforward. Exactly. That's why it shouldn't be complicated. Look at the fellow who was hung on the cross with Jesus. said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Know what that means? How can you tell someone who's about to die that he has a kingdom, that I believes he will be raised from the dead? And Jesus said to him, I say to you today, you will be with me. For so he said, Where I am, there you may be also. The guy did not join membership class, though you must. He didn't attend his community church. He didn't go and live in what media. We don't, we don't hear anything about let's let's see the fruits of salvation come down from the cross. We have to see it. Whether you lose it or retain it. It is salvation because it is jesus and it is forever because the savior forever are saved that is salvation you don't keep salvation because you never heard it and so you don't lose it because you never heard it amen in john ten twenty eight, he says i give unto them eternal life and they can never perish He said, no one can snatch them out of my hands He said, my father has given all He said, no one can snatch them out of my father's hands That's salvation The reason why many people have doubts Is because of what they have believed What have you believed? What have you believed? What did you believe? Did you believe in Jesus Christ? If you have, rest your mind You are saved When was it? The moment (laughs) that your faith said, that's my sacrifice for sin. The moment your faith said, he died for me. The moment your faith said, you may not even have all the Greek and Hebrew words and Latin words you may not even have a thorough understanding of everything because the apostles themselves, it took them years and years and years to fully understand some truths about salvation some truths about the gospel, about righteousness some truths about the Holy Ghost they grew in knowledge but there was a fundamental fact that is salvation, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died for my sins is raised for my justification. I am saved. That's what salvation is. It's not, Lord, I surrender all. That's not salvation. Yadio. Lord, I will not do it again. That's not salvation. Trust me. Trust me. Is not salvation. That's not salvation. I trust you. salvation. And sometimes, there will be days you'll be shaking in your trust. But you see, the very moment you got into His hands, all your mistrust. All your unfaithfulness concerning him, he holds in his hands. He is your savior. That is salvation. And you see, many of us have now had different things we've heard from people. Our experiences will change over time. Sometimes it'll be a good day, bad day. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes you you feel like praying. Sometimes you don't feel like praying. Sometimes you feel like you know studying the Bible. Sometimes you don't feel like studying the Bible. Sometimes you feel like a Christian, sometimes you feel like you're not a Christian. But that doesn't change the fact that the moment that you believe in your heart, you said with your mouth, Jesus Christ rose from the dead for my sins That was it. Come on, come on. That was it. Your experience may grow, it may change, it may be altered, but your salvation had happened. Until eternity What has happened Has happened Where is salvation The moment a man Sees Christ As a propitiation for his sins It's not when he sees Christ as a healer No He is a healer no doubt It's not when he sees miracles No It's when he believes in his heart He died for my sins That is why it's the same message applicable To the rich, the poor those who have good marriages, bad marriages. Those who have good jobs and bad jobs. Those who are in the government and those who are grace of society. It changes nothing. The Savior is for everyone. Salvation is not healing. Salvation is not miracles. Salvation is not Jesus, come in your storm. Salvation is Christ alone. By faith alone. By grace alone. To the glory of God alone. Amen. you blessed. Shout your neighbor, come on tell your neighbor where you got going to sing Now this morning, praise the Lord Hallelujah I want to look at the 23rd Psalm How Jesus read the 23rd Psalm That's Psalm 23 I knew about that Psalm before I knew who David was How about you? I knew the Yoruba version and I knew the English version of that sound. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Alright, so in Luke's Gospel chapter 25 to 27, um, Luke's Gospel chapter 24, sorry, verse 25 to 27. We'll come back there later, but let me just make a reference here. And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory. Again, Moses and all the prophets expounded them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, Jesus did a Bible study Throughout the Old Testament books. Now, and he says, the things concerning himself. In other words, he explains about himself. The word to expound is the word in the Greek, daamenio. D-I-E-H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-O. Two words. One of them is the word dia that means across there you have the word emmanuel emmanuel means to interpret in other words he interprets across the holy scriptures so obviously he went through the old testament to give the meaning all right Which means that the Old Testament has a meaning that Jesus gives to it. So, if I pick it up at this point, and I want to read it, I must read it with the same kind of meaning that Jesus gave to it. What kind of meaning did Jesus give to it? Did he... Just read it, you know, for uh, an immediate personal benefit. Because sometimes that's how people use the book of Psalms. But here, it says, He gave the meaning of the words. The Amenu has two words, like I said, Da and Emenu. Emenu is where you have the word Emis. H-E-R-M-E-S. H-E-R-M-E-S. Hermes refers to speaking or a speaker. So, in other words, he will be looking at the words and how the words find their meaning in himself. So, if I pick the Old Testament book, you know, we said the other day, okay, this is another series, all right. <laughs> I told you that the Old Testament is a Christology with Christ, a Christology, a study of Christ. It's not a it's not a personal study where you pick up your Bible and just read. No, it has an established meaning. And Jesus already gives us that established meaning. Look at verse 44. In verse 44, he says, These are the words which I spake while I was unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written. Verse forty-four. In the law of Moses. And in the prophets, now pay attention here, and in the Psalms, in the Psalms concerning me, in the Psalms concerning me. So, that means he read the Psalms about himself. Now, what did he read about Psalms? He read the wordings of the Psalms. So, the wordings of the Psalms will describe Christ, or his experiences, or things that men did unto him. So, the Psalms concerning me. Now, so, Jesus walks the Old Testament, uh, which is the book of Psalms, Around himself. It lets us see. That it has its meaning. In him. So if I pick the book of Psalms now. And I just want to read it on my own. And read really it when I have a journey. I'm on a trip. <laughs> or read really when I have trouble. I'm giving it my own meaning. Jesus just took the Psalms. And he says, these are things concerning me. That's what he said. But how would it be concerning him? He didn't write it. I thought the person who wrote it should be the one to tell us what it means. Well, Jesus just said it's concerning himself. So that means, I will find the things about Jesus on the leaves of the psalmist. Hallelujah. You know, very interesting. I'll the, leaf, the, 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 the things of Christ on the leaves of the psalmist. They're concerning me. Peri, that is, if the subject is me. Now, it, the, the interesting part is, the book of Psalms has a whole lot of the experiences of David. And the things that he said. But Jesus is saying to us, that there are things concerning himself. Even though David is an actor, or some of the psalmists well, because David wasn't the only one who wrote the Psalms. He's saying these are things Concerning myself. So, pay attention. So therefore, Christ gives us how to interpret the book of Psalms. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. He gives us how to interpret the book of Psalms. You know, spiritual growth is learning, is also to unlearn. Many times you have to unlearn what you learned on the things you have learned. Paul says, I count all these things dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Savior. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 and 8. I count all these things dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Savior. So, in other words, he has this knowledge. He puts that knowledge aside to learn and unlearn. So, I want you after this study to pick Psalm 23 and any psalm for that matter. And read them around the person of Christ. Because he just told us. That the book of Psalms focused on him. I've been saying every word in the book of Psalms about Jesus. No. But the subject matter, the reason why it was put together is not to give you the history of David's life or to show you the experiences of David, the reason, or the, any Psalms for that matter, the reasons for the Psalms, why they were documented. Is because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Now, go back to Luke 24. to see something pretty. Okay, we're still there anyway. Verse 25. O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ. Now I told you before, that the word Christ, is not a phrase you will find all over the Old Testament. The word Christ is an explanation of a promise made in the Old Covenant or prophecies given in the Old Covenant about an event, actions, or experiences found in a person. You're not going to see... Christ in the book of Genesis. You're not going to see Christ written in Leviticus. But you are going to see a thread throughout the Old Testament that contains promises that God will do. You're going to see a thread of events, words. You're going to see a thread of promises, prophecies. And they find themselves fulfilled in one person. So the interpretation of those things Is why we now call him the Christ. That means he is the anointed one. Or he is the chosen one. For this set of promises. For this set of prophecies. For this set of events that will happen. So when you see someone spoken of in Genesis. In uh, Exodus. In Leviticus. In Numbers. In Deuteronomy. In Joshua. In Judges. That means... All the writers wrote about someone that wasn't themselves. They wrote about events that they didn't do. They wrote about things that they never experienced. So when you see Moses wrote about that, Abraham spoke about that, everybody seems to be speaking about something they were not, someone they are not. Then we say, who is the chosen one for all of this? It's one person. And so that interpretation is what we call Christ. Let me see if you understand that. So you are not going to open the Old Testament and say Christ, Christ, Christ. No, you are going to see events, promises, prophecies that was not fulfilled by the speakers. That never happened to the speakers. But then it was about someone. So since each writer of the Old Testament had to say, had something to say about someone that wasn't themselves then that person is the Christ. The chosen one. So when you say Christ, that means the one chosen to fulfill the promises. The one chosen to fulfill the prophecies. The one anointed, the one consecrated to bear the consequences that everybody was talking about. You're not going to see Christ written on his head, or sorry, written on the pages. No, you're going to see Christ, therefore, as the interpretation of what should be done that wasn't done in a person. Hope, <laughs> Hope that's a good, a good way of saying it. Then, John, for example. John's gospel. John. John says in John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the word. And he uses a phrase, Logos. L-O-G-O-S in the Greek. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God. And he says, God was the Logos. Now, Greek language means, when you say Logos, Logos means a, a, a set of ideas put together as one. Or meaning. Or explanation. Or subject matter. That's what Logos means. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was God. Now, let let me just add this. You know, John, John, that's John, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. When they wrote the four Gospels. They wrote the four Gospels as eyewitness accounts of the things that Jesus did. Now let me, this is not in my sermon. I just want you to see something very critical and very crucial. Those of you writing on Bible study pay very good attention. Now, by the time they were writing the four Gospels, Except John. Disputable, but except John. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The epistles were already in circulation. In other words, when they were writing the four gospels, the epistles were already in circulation. Paul had written all his letters. They have known what Christ has done. They have known who you are in Christ. They have known what happened in the resurrection. They have known what Christ did. They have known about the indwelling of the Spirit. They have known about our rights and privileges in Christ. They have known many things. But watch what I'm about to say. Yet, they wrote as though they hadn't known those things. They disciplined themselves. Not to go beyond what they were made to write. Because the Spirit of God inspired them to write the account of Christ's earthly life. That's a lot little, of a little discipline. That means, as believers, we can learn from their discipline. If you have a subject to teach, for example, you are teaching about prayer, you can restrict yourself to that subject. Even though you know all the subjects, they knew the things that happened in the resurrection, yet they didn't write it. That's a lot of discipline. They by that. E.W. Kenyon said he believes that the Spirit of God shut their minds, he ensured that he restricted their minds to write only the eyewitness accounts. I believe that. You know, there are some of us who are told to preach on, uh, are told to preach on evangelism. You talk about prophecy. You talk about miracles. You talk about everything that, everything that you know in one sermon. When I was a younger preacher, if I'm called to preach, even if what they say I should preach is on the love of God, I'll preach everything I just recently heard. I say, um, also this one, like this one now, because you want to impress people. <laughs> but you see, these folks made sure that they stuck by just the eyewitness account. Because if you read the four gospels, you wonder, so what now happened when Jesus rose from the dead? What happened? You won't find it there. They they just ensured that they stood by. What they were meant to write. What, what a wholesome discipline. An wholesome discipline. Now, John, John says, in the beginning was the Logos. By saying Logos, he, has already, he had already interpreted Christ's earthly walk. So, the first few lines of John's, logos John's gospel, or synoptic, Alright. The first few lines are interpretations. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God. And God was the Logos. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was there anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness. And the darkness couldn't comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now what's he doing? You won't find anywhere in the Old Testament where you say, and the Christ is the Word. What he's saying is this. This is the subject matter of the Old Testament. By calling Jesus the Word, which he repeats in Revelation 19.13 and First 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, he's simply saying he's the subject matter of the Old Testament. He's a focus is the central theme of the Old Testament books. So by saying Christ, Christ therefore is an eminotic is, is an interpretation. The word, what is it? The word, the phrase the word, is an interpretation. That is, when you read the Old Testament book, this man called jesus he is the word is is the is a subject of their utterance he is a focus of the promises that's why he's called the word don't think he's the word of god what god is saying well in the sense that he is the subject matter of what the prophets were saying so they called him the word the logos Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So, in your study, understand interpretation. I told you before. When your interpretation of the scriptures is wrong, your worship of God cannot be correct. And then, if you believe wrongly, you will live wrongly your perception of what god says must be what god says nobody hear me out now nobody has a right of a private interpretation of the scriptures let me repeat myself nobody is given the right of a personal, private interpretation of the scriptures. Now here what I'm about to say again. The moment your interpretation is wrong, your application will be wrong. i repeat myself. The moment your interpretation is wrong, Your application will be wrong. That's why Jesus said to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe. In other words, they couldn't have believed if they never understood. You cannot exercise faith when you don't know what was said. Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen will say, Faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, you cannot call something faith when what you believe is wrong. So, watch this now. And let me add this one. And faith honors God. Faith doesn't honor you. Faith honors God. To believe what he said, faith honors God. Many times we've learned faith to get something. But faith primarily honors God. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. So. In your study of the Bible. Understand that you must. Interpret the words well. We'll go over a few things. For a moment. And I I told you. For example, that the scriptures are written in a language you can read. When Jesus, for example, took them through the Old Testament, I, I, can, I can tell you what happened. It's not that he said something extraterrestrial and it blew their mind. You know, as he was talking, he said, "Ah." Oh. And as he was talking, there was now a thick cloud. They now came upon their heads, And they say, oh, I can see. No. If they needed such supernatural powers, he wouldn't have called them fools. He called them fools because their observation was wrong. You must pay attention. You know, in Matthew's Gospel 12 verse 3, he says to them, Have you not read? Which is from the Greek word, anaginosko. Have you not read? Anaginosko, two words. It means to completely perceive and pay attention. To completely perceive and pay attention. Have you not read? Matthew twelve three? 3, Matthew 19 verse 4. Have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not looked at it closely to make an observation? Now when he was saying that, he was saying that to Pharisees. Pharisees who knew the Old Testament by heart. He says, have you not read it well? In other words, in your knowledge of God's word or your knowledge of the scriptures, you must pay attention. So, when he took them through the Old Testament, he made them observe things. One of the fundamental things that I will just quickly say to this morning, is when you read the scriptures. The first thing is, read it well. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. That's the first thing. The second thing is, observe the language used. Observe the language used. Look out for figures of speech. Now, recall what I told you about figures of speech. When an action is not possible, when an event is impossible, a figure of speech is intended. A figure of speech. Now, <laughs> let's ask a few questions. Look at Matthew 26, verse 28. Jesus comes to the Passover table. A Passover table will have the leaven bread, It will have the wine. It will have the paschal lamb. Then he takes the bread. Now, he's seated like this. Then he takes the bread. And all the twelve guys and other folks are there. He lifts the bread and says, This is my body. Now, without having Holy Spirit. Right? I know you have the Holy Spirit, but without having Holy Spirit, if somebody brings out a loaf of bread and says, This is my body. How do you see that? Is that literal? Huh? That's a figure of speech. Why? Because it's not his body. See? See? It's not his body. This is my body. Then, right there, it says, broken for you. Ah. Ah. As he said that, they went quiet. In other words, he's saying the bread they had been reading off was a figure of speech. So, They kept quiet. So now, now, the moment you feel the bread is his body, can your application be right? Huh? Can be right. Because your interpretation was wrong. The moment you, you convert a, a figurative statement to a literal statement, everything you say afterwards will be wrong. Also, the moment something that's literal becomes figurative, everything you say about it will be wrong. This is my blood. And you look at the cup. This is the blood shed for the remission of sins for many. And you saw the cup. And you saw the wine. And you see his body is intact. And there are no injections. I don't know, am I wrong? Noodles or something. That's a noodles? Noodles. And then you have a, a what you call IV. Is that what you call it? IV. And then you look at the cup, it's wine. And don't forget, it wasn't the one that even put the wine in the cup. The disciples were the ones that prepared the Passover. Assuming he was the one who prepared the, 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 the Passover, you have said, maybe he put his blood inside. But you brought the wine yourself, then he says, this is my blood. In other words, when you use a figure of speech, whatever you hold or you are referring to is not the reality. So, it simply means that when you read, pay attention to the language that was used. In other words, if you dig back to when the Passover started, Exodus chapter 12 and 13, When they ate the Paschal lamb and ate the unleavened bread, and he says, eat the bread without leaven so that there will be no sin in the camp. You should know that bread without leaven doesn't mean there is no sin in the camp. It's a figure of speech. When they ate the lamb that was killed, and says, this lamb shall be called Passover. You should know a lamb cannot deliver you from death. Let me see if you get what I'm talking about. So, as they were reading that way, they said, oh, it's true. So, all those things were figures of speech. Hallelujah. <laughs> They're figures of speech. When Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and says, says, whoever looks on this, Numbers 21, verse 9. You ought to know, for example, you go get your own brazen serpent and raise it up. Right? You just be going around like somebody carrying a banner. So that ought to tell you, it wasn't the brazen serpent. The brazen serpent couldn't have cured anybody. John 3.14 As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man. Figure of speech. So, the Old Testament, therefore, has a whole lot of figures of speech. Why? Because the person intended hadn't come. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat fruit, you went to school. When you eat fruit, where does the fruit go? It goes into your stomach. It's processed through your digestive system. And then it takes what it likes. I hope I'm passing. I hope I'm not failing. In a while I did that. And then it passes out. You go to the restroom. But then this particular one, Adam and Eve ate, they died. It wasn't poisoned. And when they were dead, they were still dead and alive. That shows you, it's what? A figure of speech. Hallelujah. So, as Jesus was reading all of that, he opened their understanding. Luke twenty four forty five, And they went, oh, oh, oh. Because if your interpretation is wrong, your application won't be right. Now, let me give you other ones. The epistles, for example, will call us the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You know the term body of Christ is a figurative expression. (laughs) It's also a figurative expression. It's a figure of honor of expression to show your union with Christ. Your union with Christ. John 3 5. John a 3, 3, Man is born again; he cannot see the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. John three five. Except a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter. Remember, years ago, nine ninety four, I was in this uh, Bible conference, and I've been invited to come back for the same Bible conference now. <laughs> uh, and then this lady, an elderly woman, pardon me, she talked before I preached, and so she was reading John three five. She said, Except a man is born of water. That is why it's important to do water baptism. And people were writing it. He cannot see, you cannot enter. She said, You can see it, but you cannot enter. Except you baptism baptized with water. And I asked her a question Have you seen anybody born of water before? Even my water is not born of water. She said, Oh. You know that that is impossible. So the moment it's impossible, the water becomes what? A figure of speech. A figure of speech. So you should find out who is the water. Or what is the water? John four fourteen. It says, a well springing up unto everlasting life. The water that shall give him shall be a well springing up. Now you are looking for a well. Do you have a well? You don't have a well. So the word well in John 4.14 is also figurative. So sir, how come we have so much figures of speech? You know, on a daily basis, we all speak that way. We all speak that way. On a daily basis. We all have an accepted way we refer to things using figures of expressions. And so is the Bible. When you read, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. After someone say, I have in me rivers. Have you seen a river before? Let's assume. Let's talk about your belly. Have you seen? A, can your can your belly this belly? Can how many bottles can it take? Even if you drink water like a camel, how many bottles can, you, can your belly take? Can your belly take a drum? How you understand there are rivers? Don't say, no, 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 pastor. It's a spiritual time. Exactly. Hallelujah. Are you following this at all? When he said the heart, the, the, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, then you turn to this place. You say, I'm following my heart. Don't say, my heart. Because in the university or secondary school, your heart is the, what do you call, left ventricle, Light ventricle. Is it is it outer? Ah I'm trying to remember. <laughs> is it what you call? Whatever you call it. You are saying your password is wrong. Go will with you. What else do you have? You have the I think there's pericardium or something. I'm trying to remember. Pericardium. Okay. Whatever. Let me stop there before I say more nonsense. So, <laughs> so you have all that. You think this is your heart? No, no, no. The heart of a man is not the blood pumping. <laughs> this because of what the heart does in the physical body. Because when the heart has stopped, you have stopped. So the heart is like is the core of man's physical existence. So when you hear the heart of a man. It refers to the core of the man's being, and your heart is not here. Your heart is not here, even though you touch. I sense in my, I sense in my spirit that you touch your navel. <laughs> oh, you also being figurative. Are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes you can sense something in your spirit here. Sometimes you can sense it here. You get my point? But because you are used to... So come and give me a prophecy. Oh, no, no. I get your point. You are also being figurative. You saw it in a meeting. And then someone wants to see a vision. Says, you know it. You are only being figurative. You get my point. You can be regarded. So, when you read the Bible like that, understand the figures of speech. Look at the the, the, the word "seed." Someone said, "I'm sowing this seed into your life." Someone did that for me um, a couple of days back. I I taught in a in a a Bible school, and, and usually I teach them Bible interpretation. So I taught them about you sea. And every time I get to the point of, the class that is the longest, is when I get to sow, seed sowing, prospect. It usually takes, so if I have a six hour class, it takes five hours, 30 minutes. Pastor Chris, what about this scripture? Someone got angry on June Wednesday. Not really angry, but he said, ah. before I ask the question, you know what the question is? I said, because I know the doctrine very well. <laughs> so, I taught them that the seed is so and so. I taught them that. Everybody agreed. We saw it. We all were glad. And the song still came to me. I want to sow this seed. I said, ah, ah. I said, I'm very sorry, sir. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's so so they you're just used to something. When you hear seed. Even if all you did was elementary agriculture. When you hear seed, you ask seed of what? Because there's nothing called seed in itself. Seed of what? Is there a universal seed? That when you plant it, all the crops on this world will just come out of it. So it has to be, is it a seed of corn? Is it a seed of wheat? Is it a seed of rice? Right? Are you following what I'm saying? (laughs) So, when you hear seed, it should be seed of what? Then, when you hear seed, where do you sow seed? Even though, (laughs) where do you sow seed? Soil. Right? That's what you should see. Where does seed grow? Soil. One more. If you put seed of grain or seed of corn in the ground, what do you get out? Huh? Corn. If you plant corn, and you get cassava. Don't give testimony. So, pay good attention. The question when you hear seed is where is the soil? Now, if you've been reading your Bible, whenever you hear a parable of a seed, what usually, in Matthew 13, for example, all the parables, and then Mark 4, what is the soil? Huh? The heart. Right? Are you there? So, Okay, let's go over it again. So, money cannot be seed. Right? The, mo- the moment you call money seed, everything you say after is wrong. Good. So, again, where is the ground for seed? It's the, it's the soil. And the soil is your heart. So, if you sow a seed of the word, pay attention. You sow a seed of the word, you preach the word, where does the seed go to? The heart of your hearer. Right? Come on. Now, if you sow a seed of an... So that means when when I give money... The money isn't the seed. It is my giving that is the seed. Come on guys. Are we together? It's my action that is the seed. Now. Where am I sowing the seed? My own heart. So. If I sow giving to my heart, what do I get? More giving. If I sow stinginess to my heart, what do I get? So, the seed sowing principle is to increase godly actions. The more I give, the more I give. The more I don't give, the more I don't give. So, when Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver, then he says, sorry, he says, he that so sparingly shall reap sparingly. What does sparingly mean? Sparingly means not to release. You know, in your mind, you think sparingly means you have five thousand naira, you now remove five naira. That's too sparingly. You know, sparingly. But the word sparingly means not to let go. Which is Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son. I've seen a woman beat her son like that. The Bible says he that spared not his own son. (laughs) You understand. That's interesting. But sparingly means if you sow sparingly, that means you refuse to give. What do you read? That's a attitude. If you sow bountifully, you rebound. It. God loves the church let each man give as he has proposed where. So where do you sow that seed? In your heart. Let each man give as he has proposed in his 97 So where is the seed going to fall? On my heart. On my heart. On my heart. On my heart. It's not in the offering bag. Let me see how you're following this. Come on. So the moment you get the interpretation wrong. Your action will be wrong. Because wrong believing cannot produce right living. Hallelujah. You learning something here? So always understand figures of speech. Even in the Old Testament. So let's get back to Psalms. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at John's Gospel chapter 145. You learning something? Come on guys, you learning something? John 145. Philippine and Nathaniel. And said unto him, we have found, let's take it together, John 145, let's go. John 145, John's Gospel chapter 145, can we take it together, let's go. Philip, findeth Nathanael, and said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law, and the prophets, did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, whom they wrote about. Whom they wrote. How did they write about him? That means there was someone they kept writing about. We at Luke again. Luke 24, verse 44. Luke 24, verse 44. I want us to read it together. You ready? Let's go. And he said unto them, These are the words... Which I spake unto you while I was yet with you That all things must be fulfilled Which were written in the Lord of Moses And in the prophets And in the Psalms concerning me In the Psalms One fifty of them are written It says concerning me So Wait Hear what I'll say now The first way you read the book of Psalms is to interpret it as a study of Christ. You mustn't first of all personalize it. You you first of all must study Christ before you apply to yourself. The way the Psalms... Applied to us will be by identification. It is my identity in Christ that makes the Psalms applicable to me. My identity in Christ. So the Psalms are mine by identification. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 14. Right? John's Gospel, chapter 14. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Two words in there. Okea, father's house, are many mansions. In my brother's house, there are many my In my brother's house, in my brother's, house. brethren, are you building your house in the heavenly mansion, heavenly city? Remember one, one, one sister like that. She told us she died. She died, and when she died, she came back to life. We respected our Lord. She you know when I got to heaven, I saw the house I was building. And our eyes were beating fast. He said the house I built, the small shop. She said that but, eh, if you have a small shop. Ha. I was just thinking fast. My past week just came back to my mind. I don't even have a portion of land in that place. <laughs> that for now, you know, some of us So now, for now, they arrange us in the bus stop. You just stay here for now. Uh, let's see whether we have space for you. Then she said, the house was not painted. Ah! What kind of a city is that? On oh, painted houses, painted houses, all sorts of sizes in the heavenly City. Corner shop. Face me, I face you. In the heavenly city. Till <laughs> then there was no roof. <laughs> but why? No bed, no roof, small off. I just told myself, we are finished. <laughs> then she said, suddenly, it began to rain. Oh. As the mba. rain. Lame. Ah! My little knowledge of geography who tell me no. Even if you go in an airplane, as you go to a certain altitude, you are above rain. Seas didn't leave the earth. Seas was still around. But you dared not say <laughs> it. Alright. You know, there are some guys that actually just fainted. And they have hallucinations. I know people that have hallucinations. They call it visions. Hallucinations. They call it visions. It's not a vision. If you fast for a long time. Have you ever had this malaria before that you you didn't want to eat and then you were seeing lion? And then you say, take it away, take it away. You say, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) You are in the heavenly realm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. to my soul. In the Greek, it means I'm preparing somewhere inside for you. So that where I am, there you may be also. By that singular fact. If the Psalms are fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus, then whatever is in the Psalms about Christ is ours by identification. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. By identification. So, by identification, in John's Gospel 14, 20, it says, where? It said, in that day you will know, I am in my Father, and I am in you, and you are in me. In John 15, he it says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman, man and you are the branches. You are in me. I am in you. So, we find those realities by identification. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So, when I pick the book of Psalms, I first find Christ. When I find Christ, then I find me. I find Christ. So the Book of Psalms has a whole lot. In fact, it's argued that Jesus quoted more Psalms than any other place. I don't think so. Or <laughs> well, I so. That he did speak a lot. From the book of Psalms. Let's just run through a, a, a good number of things. That he, he must have quoted Psalms. For example. When you hear. Many times he calls himself the son of man. You know when you say the son of man. Which he says a whole lot of times. You read Psalm 8 verse 4. What is man? That thou art mindful of him. Not the son of man. That you visit him. That you care for him. And what does he mean the son of man? The writer of Hebrews says, in Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 6 to verse 7, into verse 8, that we do not see all things on that man, but we see Jesus. So every time he says the son of man, is quoting the sound. Also, in the book of Daniel, but he's quoting the Psalms. What else do we find him? Quote the Psalms. Look at Matthew 22, verse 41 to 46, and Mark 12, verse 35 to 37, and Luke 20, verse 40 to 44. I'll take that again. Matthew 22, verse 41 to 46, Mark 12, verse 35 to 37, Luke 20, verse 40 to 44. What it says, who is the Christ? Whose son is the Christ? Said the son of David. How then did David in the spirit call him Lord? Then Jesus quotes Psalm 110 verse 1. But the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, Till I make your enemies by footstool." The Lord said to my Lord. And they became confused. They were not observant. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. David made that pronouncement in the courts of the king. That means David by his utterance, is saying he is not the king. As soon as Jesus threw that question, they said, wow, we were not observing well. So, see how he, he quotes David. You thought they were the words about David? He says, no. They were my words. They were my words. They were my words. They were things concerning me. Hallelujah. You following this? Psalm 2 verse 7. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten you. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten you. A prophecy about Jesus. In the book of Psalms. So when it says I am the son. He's quoting David. He's quoting the Psalms. That's what he's doing. In the book of Acts quickly see something. When he rose from the dead. Arguably, he must have said this to the apostles for them to refer to it in the book of Psalms. i uh, sorry, in the book of Acts. Watch this. In verse twenty five, this is Peter explaining Jesus' resurrection. For David, let's take it together. Verse twenty five. Acts two. Are you there? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, brother. I'm waiting for you. Let's go. For David speaking concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. He's quoting Psalm 16, verse 8. Go on. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Verse 27, let's go. Soul in hell, neither will you suffer than holy one to seek corruption. Verse 28, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy kindness. You know, he said, In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand. You know, said, At your right hand, oh, Father, thank you. There pleasure pleasures go evermore. People read that. Peter says, David speaking concerning him. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 29. Let's take it together. 29, let's go. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Verse 30, let's go. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. 31. He seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh he see corruption. Verse 32. This Jesus had gone raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed for these which you now see and hear. Verse 34. Let's go. For David is not a saint in the heavens, but he says to himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Seek thou on my right hand, until? 36 finally. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know shortly, That God has made that same Jesus, Whom you have crucified. So David was not a king, David was a prophet. Hallelujah. You see that? <laughs> David was not a king. David is not called king. David was hardly called king. David was called prophet in the new covenant. Because by the utterance of David, he was not the king. Hallelujah. The king was Christ. He says, David, being a prophet, by the utterance of David, David already said the one that will sit on the throne is Jesus. That means David's kingdom was figurative. David knew he stood in a figure of speech that the king is Christ. Hallelujah. Let me see how we are following this, come on. David, was David a king? Figuratively speaking. Who is the king? Jesus is the king. Who is David? David is a prophet. A prophet who hold the words of the subject matter. David will speak as a, as, a, as a king. But he wasn't the king. The king is the Christ. Glory to his name. You learning something here? So when you take the words of David. Find Christ in there. Look at Matthew twenty-seven, verse forty-six, right on the cross. So most of the psalms people read to comfort themselves when they are going through trouble, they are the psalms of Jesus' sufferings and resurrection. <laughs> Hallelujah! Not when you have a breakup. Shonda, Hallelujah. You know, I was speaking somewhere on Monday, and I said, Shonda, and everybody laughed. I said, What do you think is Shonda?" He said, We hear you say it all the time. I thought this living what people take it out of the tape, but it's not out of the tape. <laughs> Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? If you go to Psalm 22 and you read down. You'll say, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And those were the words of Jesus. On the cross. Spoken before it happened. Speaking about his death. Those were the words of the torment that they gave to Jesus. David was only privileged to say those words. They were not his words. They were the words of Jesus. Glory to his name. I said glory to his name. They were not his words. They were the words of Jesus. Look at one more. Before we get to Psalm thirty one. Psalm twenty three, sorry. Look at Matthew twenty one, forty two. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Did you ever read in the scriptures, Matthew 42, the stone which the builders rejected? <laughs> Psalm one hundred and eighteen, verse twenty-two. The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. You heard that before. This is the Lord's doing. Whether it's wedding ceremony, you're giving birth to a child, or you got a position in your office, what he's talking about is the resurrection of Jesus. This is the Lord's doing. The stone that the builders rejected refers to the sufferings of Christ. Has become the head of the corner is his resurrection. And that is the Lord's doing. When you hear, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day. I remember then in uh, the fellowship in those days. He said, stop singing, this is the day. You know, people always bring their own revelation. He said, would you say, this is the hour, this is the hour, we're all confused. The day the Lord has made is the resurrection of Christ. I shall not die, but live. What's the confession of Christ in the grave? Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Those are the words of Jesus. I will enter His grave with a in my heart. I will enter His cause. We, pray. we praise this. I will say this is the name. And That is normally how you start praise worship. Your hands. Yes. I will enter. What do you mean is gates? They are the gates of salvation. Those are the words of Christ in the resurrection. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said glory to God. When we find Christ, then we can find ourselves. Amen. Even when Judas was going to be taken or replaced. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 1. Acts of the Apostles chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. They quoted the Psalms. Psalm 69 verse 25, Psalm 109 verse 8. Meaning that the Psalms captured a lot of the sufferings of Christ, His rejection and His glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you one crucial one. (laughs) You know, Satan, in Matthew's Gospel chapter 4, and Luke's Gospel chapter 4, when he tempted Jesus, he quoted Psalm 91. He shall keep his angels charged over you. That's what he said. They shall bear you up in the wood, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus responded by quoting Deuteronomy. Why did he do that? Because David wrote from Moses. i told you that before. David wrote from Moses. Moses is the beginning of the writings of the oracles of God. Put that somewhere. So, quick one. So, the Psalms are for who? Come on, church, come on. The Psalms are for who? Abel, come on. Abel. The Psalms are for who? Christ. They become applicable to us by identification. Are you still there? Psalm 23, finally, come on. <laughs> Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) Let's look at it very well today. Are you ready? It's just six verses. Amen. Alright. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord. Right? So, who is speaking here? David. Who is David? Who is David? David. Don't forget that David is a prophet. So we're going to find in the writings of David utterances about who Christ. So when it says Yahweh, all right, or Jehovah, who is he quoting? Moses. Exodus 6.2 I am Jehovah. By my name, Jehovah, was I not known to your fathers, but by my name El Shaddai. So by saying the Lord, or Yahweh, that is the redemptive name of God. Every time you hear the Lord, that is God in redemption. If you miss that one, you miss everything. You remember, we read it now, Acts 2.35-36. He has made the same Christ whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. So the Lordship of Jesus is in his resurrection. Are you there? So when David says, the Lord, he's prophesying about what now? The resurrection of Jesus. The Lord. The Yahweh. David was a king. But the office of David in Christ, he was a prophet. King of Israel, prophet in Christ. Hallelujah. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Don't forget what Jesus said. I told you, he's quoting David, he's quoting Moses. In John 5, 45, Jesus says, Don't think I'm one to accuse you before the Father. There's one who accused you before the Father. He says, That's Moses whom you trust. For if you had believed Moses, you'll have believed me. For he wrote concerning me. Now, did David believe Moses? Yes. How do you know? Because David also wrote concerning Moses. So when it says the Lord. Is my shepherd, So did God choose David to be king or to be prophet? Huh? (laughs) You are battling your mind. Your historical mind. Did God choose David to be king or to be prophet? Prophet. David was chosen to be one. A prophet. The Lord is my shepherd, R-O-H-I. Why are you a shepherd? That's Moses again. The Lord is my shepherd. Now shepherd is figure of speech. Right? Or oh, you have forgotten our earlier study. Are you a sheep? Ah. <laughs> so the Lord is my shepherd figure it so it takes your mind to see a sheep and a shepherd the Lord is my shepherd a word that has an active verb called ra raah R O H Y H I. R-A-A-H, which is to grace, or provide food. When he says that, he means the Lord provides my food. Now, if he uses that phrase, and you already know that shepherd is figurative, the Lord is not figurative, but shepherd is figurative, then... The food cannot be literal. The Lord is my shepherd. And since you know you are not a sheep physically. That means the shepherd is figurative. And that relationship also will be what? Figurative. The Lord is my shepherd. That he feeds me. And he feeds me. Spiritually speaking. Actually the Hebrew is. The Lord is shepherd. Jehovah rohi. But the, the my shepherd. There is silent. But it's fine. It's applicable. Since by identification. We are the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. Now. Which of Jesus' teachings comes to your mind? John 10. I I'm the good shepherd. He's quoting Psalm 23 verse 1. Let me see if you are following me here now. So go to John 10 quickly. John 10. Verse 7. Verily, verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't hear them. I am the door. By me if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He goes in and out and finds what? Pasture. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd that gives what? His life for the sheep. Jesus didn't buy his sheep from someone or with money. He purchased his sheep with his own life. So when he said the Lord is my shepherd, David is foreseeing the resurrection of Jesus. Because when Jesus is mentioned in the fact that he is shepherd in John 10, he said I give my life. When he said that, had he given his life? No. So that means. His shepherdhood is his resurrection, his sacrifice. So when it says the Lord is my shepherd, that refers to what? The sacrifice of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. Then he said I shall not want. The word I shall not want there is the word chaser. C H A S E R. Used twenty one times in Hebrew. It means I will not decrease. He's not talking about physical lack. That is, what he has fed me with, I will be satisfied. Is a once and for all event. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not chaser. I will decrease. In other words, he's talking about the completeness of the sacrifice of Jesus. Remember, Jesus in Luke 10, we're going to get that short, John 10. He said, I give my life for the sheep, and no man can pluck them out of my hands. That's what David is saying. I will decrease. I will come short. In other words, in the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus, David is prophesying a perfection. A perfection. A perfection. In other words, I will be perfect in the shepherd's ministry of Jesus. Now, quickly just check where that's used. In Genesis 8 verse 3. That was Chesar. Genesis 8 and 3. Are you still there? Come on guys, are you still there? And the waters returned from earth to earth continually. And it says, 50 days the waters were abated. They came down. Same thing in verse 5. They decreased. Chapter 18 verse 20 is the same thing. Now look at Psalm 8 verse 5. Made a little lower than angels. That word little lower is the word chaser. In Psalm 34 verse 10 also means they will never suffer lack. Young lions do suffer lack. That's what he says. Okay, let's see that one. Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want anything good. Again, it's figurative. I won't decrease. Hallelujah. Say, I'm complete in him. Say, I'm complete in him. Go back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my Rohi. I shall not decrease. I shall not decrease. He makes me to lie down. Alright? In green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. No doubt. You know that's figurative again, right? (laughs) What's the pasture? The pasture is his life. The water is his spirit. The water of Christ is his spirit. Let me ask you. How many of you did he make to lie down? And you are not chopping grass. What did he call the pasture in John 10? His own life. Then he says he leads me besides still waters is the Hebrew word Nahal N A H L H A L N A H A L a word that Moses see here typically David is quoting Moses Exodus fifteen Verse 13, Thou in Thy mercy hast led forth the people that you have redeemed. You have guided them in Thy strength unto Your holy habitation. Mark this verse very well. Because this is where David wrote that prophecy from. In His redemption, He leads them to a holy habitation, He leads them beside still waters. The water of his spirit, the water of his life. David is giving utterances about the new creation, about salvation, about redemption. He says, he restores my soul the word Shub to restore in the Hebrew to restore Pope Genesis 3:19. In the sweat of thy face, thou, thou shalt eat bread. Till thou return to the ground, for out of it thou wast taken. For thou and thus thou shalt return. He returns my soul. That is reconciliation in Christ. A restoration. 2 Corinthians five eighteen. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. And not imputing. Verse 19. Their trespasses, pardon me, unto themselves. Unto them. And giving to us the word of reconciliation. The word catalage. apocatalasso, That is he has reconciled us to himself. He restores my soul. In that sacrifice of Jesus. We are reconciled unto God. Can I have an amen? He leads me. Watch this. In the path of righteousness. The word lead here, the word Makha. He changed the word. M-A-C-H-A-C-H. He leads me. Makha. Which is a strengthened form of the one he used earlier. Again, it's an Exodus language. Exodus 13, 17, and 21. The way he led them out of bondage to deliverance. David is altering deliverance here. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Again, Exodus 15 13. The leading here is to lead in redemption, to lead and purchase to yourself. When it is the path of righteousness, it's a word in Hebrew for a camp. When you encamp people, it's not a path like a journey, it's to put someone in a camp. In other words, he takes me from bondage and takes me into a camp of righteousness. Hallelujah. For his name's sake. Yeah, verse 4. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. The valley there is already. What it says, the shadow of death. It's an Hebrew word spelled this way. T-S-A-L-M-A-V-E-T-H T-S-A-L-M-A-V-E-T-H slalom Beth Something like that. Used a lot by Job. Job 3.5 Job 10.22 Job 12.22 Job 16.16 16 in the book of Job about his troubles about his someone expecting death expecting death, Job 3, 5, Job 10, 22, Job 12, 22, Job 16, 16, Job 24, 17, two times, Job 28, verse 3, Job 34, verse 22, Job 30, 30, 38, verse 17, I'll take it all over again, Job 3, verse 5, Job 10, 22, Job 12, 22, Job 16, 16, Job 24, 17, two times, Job, 20, job 28, 3, Job 34, verse 22, and Job 38, verse 17, that is a man expecting to die, Psalm 44. Hallelujah. Psalm 44. And verse 19. Thou hast so broken the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death. Psalm 107, verse 10. Psalm 107, verse 14. What do you mean shadow of death? Look at Matthew 4.16. Matthew 4.16. The people, is a prophecy now, I'll start from 14. It might be true this book by Isaiah. The, Pope, saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the Galilee, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in the darkness saw light. Great light. And to them that sat in the region and shadow of, lead, of death, light is stronger. So, David is speaking from the Old Testament expecting the resurrection of Jesus. Do I walk through the shadow? The valley of the shadow of death. That is not my confession now. That is the state of the man expecting the resurrection in the old covenant. But glory to God, the light has sprung now. Hallelujah. Eternal life is in us today. Glory to God. Look at Luke's Gospel 1. Verse 79. Talking about Jesus, another prophecy. To give light to them that sit in darkness. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the valley of the shadow of death is where we were before salvation. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. The scare of the tetanus in the Greek. I shall fear no evil. Why does he say that? Because he can see Christ coming for him. Hallelujah. Are you there? I fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff. He says they comfort me. He brings in the imagery of the shepherd and the sheep. They comfort me. The word comfort there is the word nacham. It means compassion. N-A-C-H-A-M. Thy rod and thy staff. He's saying to us, our redemption is on God's compassion. God's mercies. I'm not earning it. Thy rod and your staff. Let me ask you. Who used the rod and the staff? Moses. That was the figurative way Moses led Israel from Egypt to the promised land. He's saying, The way you delivered me from sin is by compassion. I didn't earn it. Thy rod and your staff. They comfort us. Your compassion, therefore, is your rod and staff. In other words, in your guidance, in your correction, in your discipline, it's compassion. Hallelujah. Are you there? Look at the next verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The word table there are temple words. You know, Moses also gave a temple, a house, a tabernacle in Exodus 25, 26, 31, 35, 37, 39, 40. We have done that study before. What is he talking about? David is prophesying about the habitation of God. You have prepared a table before me. He says, in the presence of my enemies. That word enemies, there's a terrible translation. It's the word tsarar, T-S-A-R-A-R. It means oppression or distress. That is, I can see your tabernacle. Ready for me. Even though right now, I look oppressed. How people say that? Don't worry. Don't pray for enemies to die. He said he'll prepare a table before. Come on. That means, despite this bondage of sin and the flesh and the world, David is saying, "I can see a table." Where is the table? The table is in the tabernacle. Hallelujah! Are you still there? In the presence of my enemies, the enemy is there. In the presence of oppression, that means, despite what we have, who we were, God still made a tabernacle for us. Where we dwell with him. So it's different from Psalm 110, verse 1, where it says, Oyeb. Oyeb is the word, um, you make all your enemies my footstool. Your enemies your footstool. That's the word Oyeb. It's different from this one. O-Y-E-B. This one is the word Tasarah. It is for oppression. You'll find it in Psalm 6, verse 7, and Psalm 129, verse 1. So he's saying in the midst of, so this is a confession of the Old Testament saints, prophesying about Jesus, about the deliverance found in Him, and about redemption. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of this distress. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. You anoint. Is the word dashen. D-A-S-H-E-N. A a word used for flourishing. It's not the same word used for usual anointing. This one is for flourishing. To flourish. That is, by your redemption now I flourish. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's the word for abundance. Rever in the Hebrew, R-E-V-A-Y-A-H, repeated by the same writer in Psalm 66 verse 12. In other words, what Jesus was saying in John 10, I am come that you may have life and be abundant. He's quoting Psalm 23. I am that shepherd. Eternal life is that abundance. is that sufficiency. So when he says in Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not decrease. He now begins to tell you why. Because I have the life of God. Jesus Christ is crucified and given to me. Look at verse 6. Surely, glory to God. Goodness and mercies. Whose words are those? Moses. Shall follow me. All the days of my life. In other words, you can confidently say that Moses or David was prophesying from Exodus. Exodus 15, Exodus 25, Exodus 33. Look at Exodus 33. Learn something? Exodus 33. Verse 18, I beseech you, show me thy glory. I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Goodness and mercy. Tohu, tohu, the same word. He is quoting Moses. Shall follow me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. Are you following this? All the days of my life. And what does it say? And I will dwell. Hallelujah. If you didn't know what it was saying before, you should know by now. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Who is he quoting? Moses. The begging. The house. The Bayith of the Lord. That word house is a, is a Hebrew word of Jesus. In my father's house. How many mansions. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Verse 6. Forever. The Hebrew actually says. Ever and ever. Orekliyum. Oreck length. Ever. Ever. In this day. So Psalm 23. Is David's utterance. About salvation. When. The Messiah will come. He will give his life. And he will not decrease. He will make us flourish. A close here. He'll make us that house of the Lord. So, if David knew this, and then the prophet told him not to build the tabernacle of the Lord, do you think it affected him? No, it didn't. He knew there was a greater promise. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. In other words, he had hope when he died. That he will be he will be raised again. David had hoped that he will be God's tabernacle forever. Hallelujah. Is that not what Jesus did? John's Gospel, chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life, he says. John 10 for the sheep. Verse 11, I am come that you may have life and be abundant. John ten fourteen: I am the good shepherd that know my sheep and that are known of mine. Verse 16, all the sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also will I bring. You hear my voice, there shall be one fold and one shepherd. David's Psalms are fulfilled today. Hallelujah. How did Jesus read Psalm 23? He read it to us as what he has done for us. So I say now, goodness and mercy are mine. I am the house of the Lord today and always. I no longer walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I never did. I'm a new creation. Rather what I say there, I say I fear no evil. Because I walk in the light of life. Hallelujah. Jehovah is the one who is my shepherd. He died for me to become my shepherd. He rose and became my shepherd. I have eternal life. This psalm is fulfilled now. In John ten Let's read that quickly. You learning something? John 10, 28 It's the same, same chapter Can we take it together? Let's go And I give And they shall never perish No, let's start from 27 27 first No, no, tw- no, no 26, 26, let's go You believe not Because you are not of my sheep As I said unto you, 27 My sheep Say I hear his voice And I know them and they follow me Say so I follow him Twenty-eight. He has given me eternal life, and I can never perish. Neither shall any pluck me out of His hands. The Father that gave them me to Him is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck me from the Father's hand. This is the fulfillment of Psalm twenty-three. Hallelujah! You bless.